Good evening, everyone in Alberta, Canada, and beyond. It is Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023, and I'm Carrie Lambert, and I welcome you to an online webinar evening of solutions for a new Alberta brought to you by the Alberta Prosperity Project, also known as APP. APP's purpose is to educate, inspire, and unite all Albertans, businesses, and organizations to protect their prosperity, individual freedoms, rights, and sovereignty by empowering the Alberta government to restructure Alberta's relationship with Canada. APP is membership driven with a goal of a million plus members to help steer the political process. You can find out more by going to the Alberta Prosperity Project.com. Uh, and, uh, and we're also, of course, uh, taking, um, uh, blah, 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 blah. Sorry about that. We're also doing a petition registration for a petition. You can go to AB, uh, bit.ly slash AB vote. Yes. I'll put that down at the bottom as well. And, uh, the idea behind that is that we need 600,000, uh, signatures in order to force a referendum on sovereignty and independence. And this is the perfect way to do that. So we're going to be talking about a little bit more about that when, uh, when we get Chris Scott back on here, but uh, tonight's episode is called out with the who and in with the new, I like that out with the WHO and in with the new with James Rogowski, who is an author and researcher and natural health proponent who's been calling out lies and propaganda for decades about government, medical, pharmaceutical, and media. And of course, we also have APP's interim CEO, Christopher Scott, who will be joining us tonight as well. This is a live webinar, so we encourage you to ask questions and make comments throughout this presentation. Just put three question marks before your question, so it will be flagged and we can quickly view the questions. And with that, I will now bring on James and Chris. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, Kerry. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you very much. So, James, you are you've been involved in a lot of things for for quite a while. Maybe just uh, tell our viewers who you are, where you are, because that's also another important thing to note. And um, and and really, what why you're on why you're on here talking with us because you have such a vast history. That uh, and I'm sure our viewers will really, really like to know what's going on. That's, a, that's, an, awfully, old, that's no. an awfully polite way of calling me old. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Thank you very much. That was well done. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm I'm 63 years old, and um, uh, long story, you know, of all the things that I've done, but the pertinent aspect of it is, I was poking around on the internet um, in March of 2022. Mm -hmm. and opened up a blog and it said oh we've obtained a document and it was hyperlinked and i clicked on the link and started reading it and i was like what am i reading what the heck is going on here because i had spent the previous month researching at the time you got you got to put this in time frame um february march of 2022 yeah. i was researching what many people currently mistakenly called the pandemic treaty many people have called it that and at, at that time the idea was being bantered around by many uh, groups that have a lot of funding and you know yeah. they're putting forth proposals you know think of all of the many um what they call civil society all of the 
foundations and organizations and nonprofits and, and all the money groups that get together to do whatever kind of, you know, fake grassroots that they're trying to do to, you know, move society. And there were many, many um, proposals. Mm -hmm. So on March 24th of 2022, I published a big old article, just a summary of all this stuff that was going on. And I thought I was done with it, but I had spent a month researching. And so I woke up every morning and I'm looking again. And I found something that really was totally different. It was amendments to existing international health regulations. Hmm. So out of the gate with this conversation, everybody needs to realize these are two very separate things. There's this push to create a new international, they're now calling it, officially the pandemic agreement as opposed to a treaty and that mm -hmm. word matters it really yeah. does matter. but the amendments um i had you know i, I knew about them I, I knew about the international health regulations but then i stumbled upon this document that had been submitted by the biden administration to change existing international health regulations and i was like where you know what you know, this is different. And um, my life hasn't been the same since. So uh, just a quick question. What kind of regulations are we talking about? Like what what kind of things are in there? Well, we'll have we'll have a little bit of fun here because uh, you're you're making fun of me being old. I'm going to make fun of you being young. I, don't, I have no idea how old you are. Um, where were you in July of 1969? Were you even a gleam in your parents' I was eyes? Six, I was six I months I was, old. I was still a protein <laughs> strand and a hamburger, probably. <laughs> um, okay, so um, in July of 1969, I'm sure you've heard the story yeah. that three Americans in spacesuits hopped on a Saturn V rocket and supposedly, I, supposedly I either took a point. trip to Hollywood or they took a trip to the moon and back, one, one or the other, right? Yeah. Well, at that same time, um, actually, it, literally that same time, and then they finally, on um, July 25th, 1969, uh, was the 22nd meeting of the World Health Assembly, which is all of the delegates from all of the nations get together once a year, have an assembly. Mm -hmm. um, they met in Boston, Massachusetts, and that is when they adopted the international health regulations. Okay. And it's, it was primarily for you know certain ailments, um, polio and smallpox and the plague or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, but what's really the most important thing in that document, you know, hey, everybody in the audience, how many people have read the 1969 International Health Regulations? You know, raise your hand. Yeah. Who the heck knows anything about that? That's true. Well, what was not in there was probably the most important aspect of it. And, you know, how do you read a document and figure out what's missing? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, what's missing is it did not say, okay, you know, all of these delegates, they met and they agreed on this document, go back to your nation and have it properly ratified according to whatever process your nation does that, right? No, right? What, what it said was, well, we assume you're all good with it. And if nobody objects, it'll become internationally binding, you know, legally binding law. And so, that was July of 1969, a year and a half later, uh, first day of uh, January 1971, 
boom, it's international law. Now, I can't find anybody anywhere who proactively, any nation, ratified it, took it to their, you know, you're talking about a referendum, right? You know, the yeah, word, yeah, the, yeah. the voice of the people. There, there was no referendum. There was no, in the United States, there was no Senate advice and consent. There was no parliamentary approval around the world. They operate differently. And this is where almost everybody's mind locks up because you get your wires crossed. Um, you normally think that if you want to change something, you have to take an action and cause something to change. Mm -hmm. And if you want the status quo to remain, you naturally think, well, if I don't do anything, it's just going to stay the same. The way they work, what they do, is they agree to a change. They assume that everybody's cool with the change. And you have to proactively voice rejection to stop the change. If you procrastinate and do nothing, then the change that they agree to goes through. Mm -hmm. Who is they? And they is the World Health Assembly. Um, the okay. delegates who are appointed by the heads of state um, you know, here in the United States, Biden um, appointed the uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services, Javier Becerra. Well, the United States actually sends a delegation of like 60 some people. OK, but it, it's essentially what they did in 1969 is they created a global health council of heads of state who send their delegates to Geneva now once a year, they have the authority to make decisions to adopt amendments. And the heads of state can reject those amendments for their nation, but they're the ones in the mix, you know, pushing this. And, and so they're highly unlikely to reject it. And what happened in 1969 is any um, facade of democratic representation was just completely obliterated. You still have your sovereignty because your head of state is involved through their delegate that they appoint in this negotiation. So each nation could technically reject them with just a letter to say, no, nope, not for us, no thank you. But it, any voice of the people or your representatives in parliament, you got nothing. And that's what people just, it, it's, it's so wrong yeah. that people go, oh, it can't be that way, Jim. That's, that's not possible. Of course, in the United States, oh, of course, the Senate, you know, has to give their advice and consent. And so I go, well, did you, could you find anywhere in 1969 where the Senate had anything to say about it? And then in 2005, they made massive changes again, and mm -hmm. you can't find that the Senate had anything to do about it. In, 2022, about 18 months ago, um, they did adopt amendments to the international health regulations. You talk to people about it and they're like, I didn't hear about that. Nobody told me. There's an 18 month period where the head of state of every nation around the world can reject them. I've been talking about this for 18 months. Yeah. Uh, I take that back 17 months and two and a half weeks. December 1st is the deadline for heads of state around the world, including the Pope, because the Vatican is, you know, a part of this. Yeah. And 
the vast majority of everybody in government is completely oblivious. Absolutely, completely oblivious. Yeah. And the media, you know, forget the media. Yeah. Um, and so uh, in doing this research, uh, I did a lot of research in uh, Australia. I've worked for almost a year now with folks in, in Australia. They put up uh, a web page, um, Australia Exits the WHO. Because when you get yourself into a relationship that's one-sided and you know not going the way you want it to go and becomes abusive, you can negotiate for better terms or maybe you just leave. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what has recently come to the awareness of people there, and I do believe, but I have to admit, I have not been able to dig it out of Canadian law, but I, I believe from what I have been able to find that Canada and New Zealand and Australia are in a very similar situation. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and it's blowing their minds because when, when I dug into the Australian constitution and all their laws, it's kind of interesting. What it says is that all of the authority to engage in these international um, agreements rests with the queen. Like, well, that's interesting. They got a little terminology problem unless Charles is gonna transition. Um, okay, let's just figure they're going to work that out. Yeah. But then it goes to a governor general, That's right. and then it goes to the prime minister and their cabinet ministers and all that. And at least in Australia, and I suspect it's identical or very similar in Canada and New Zealand, all of the authority to negotiate an international agreement comes yeah. from the monarch through the executive branch. And mm -hmm. parliament has not a word to say. And thus the people have nothing to say. Wow. And that just makes, you know, boom, head explode, right? Yeah. Now, it's not much better in the United States. The Senate is supposed to weigh in and they didn't say a damn thing, right? So is it really any different? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so that's a mind bender. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. language that they use gets everybody confused because parliament in Australia will be called on to write implementing legislation and when when their politicians say oh we would never pass a law it's like yeah right you know look at what you've been doing for the last three four years mm -hmm. they say oh we would never pass a law that would infringe upon our sovereignty right well hold on just a moment that gets interpreted by people who hear that as they would never approve the treaty or amendments or agreement. No, 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 no. You don't get to make that decision. Mm -hmm. That decision is made by the executive branch of government, whatever cabinet minister or, or whatever is doing the negotiations. Yeah. Um, you don't get to decide. You get to do as you're told. You get to write implementing legislation. And members of parliament in Australia just don't, they don't want to comprehend that mm -hmm. they're impotent. Yeah. They're absolutely completely impotent in this issue. And in the UK, it's a little bit different, but very similar in the sense that, like in the United States, the Senate just hasn't done their job. Um, this is bizarro, but in the span of time since May of um, 2022, mm -hmm. They've had government, you know, come and go, right? A bunch of them. 
And so um, the person who was in charge of the office that is in control of all of these negotiations was there when it happened. And then um, I believe his name is James Cleverly was in the, uh, had the position of minister of this office of all the treaties for about a year. And on November 13th, he goes away and David Cameron steps in, former prime minister. Yes, and so right. they've, they've had three different people in this office and not one of them has done their duty as far as I concern, uh, can discern. Um, that office in the UK is supposed to present any amendments or treaties or agreements or what have you mm -hmm. to parliament for 21 days. And the UK parliament is not, they don't have the authority to make the decision or uh, ratify what the prime minister or the health minister have decided, but they do have the authority to reject it. But the office that is supposed to present it to them has conveniently neglected to do so. And, you know, their argument is going to be, oh, well, you know, there was one person in that office and then another one and now another one. Yeah, and yeah. hey, you know, they it's it's quite frankly, um, at best, administrative malfeasance yeah. that makes it so that the people don't have a say. And so um, one of the things that we talked a little bit about before we started recording, um, if, if I can give a plug for um, something that a good friend of mine uh, has put together, Absolutely. Um, tell everybody to go to CanadianPetition.com, CanadianPetition.com. Um, my friend Doug Porter in British Columbia uh, essentially organized a team of people to write that petition and submit it to the petition committee in Canada. And everybody has gotten a little bit confused about this. This is a citizen driven petition that the way the structure works, um, you know, parliamentary official parliamentary petition. It's not, um, you know, an independent person doing a petition. It's a parliamentary petition. Mm -hmm. uh, it will be submitted to parliament. Uh, it's going to run until February 7th. And then what you need to do is get a member of parliament to sponsor it. Mm -hmm. And so, yep, there you go. Um, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, um, you'll see that we, um, Doug did manage to get um, Leslyn Lewis to sponsor the petition. Yeah. She, she's not the driving force behind it. She didn't write it or her office didn't put it forth. Um, I think if you go all, all the way up to the top, you'll see uh, that it was written by Doug Porter um, or submitted, I should say. What do they use the word? Um, uh, initiated by Doug Porter uh, from British Columbia. And so, um, I encourage everybody to spread the word. Go to CanadianPetition.com and sign up. If you go way back down to the bottom again, I think we went over 50,000 today. Yeah, and, that's uh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying so, to juggle a few if, things here. If, if you go up that's just amazing. a little that's bit amazing. and oh. yeah, if you go up just a little bit and read the last <laughs> sentence or two of the petition, um, there's a lot of things. We can dive into it at great depth if you want. It's not that big. Um, sure, yeah. That'd be great. Um, Canada's membership in the United Nations and its subsidiary organizations, World WHO, um, impose negative consequences on the people of Canada, far outweighing any benefits. Canada's agreement to participate in the UN WHO Comprehensive Agenda 2030 undermines regional sovereignty and personal autonomy. Agenda 2030 and its operational 
Sustainable Development Goals, Comprehensive Sexuality Education, United Nations Judicial Review, International Health Regulations, One Health, and similar programs are being rapidly implemented absent the awareness and consent of the people or their elected representatives. The same sustainable development goals have negative impacts on potentially every aspect of life, including religious and cultural values, familial relations, education, nutrition, child development, property rights, economic and agricultural productivity, transportation, travel, health, informed consent, privacy, and physical autonomy. Under the CSE, publicly funded educational institutions are damaging children while concealing information from parents. Normalization of sexual values and activities with regard to children are endorsed and enforced beginning at birth. Agenda 2030 and secretly negotiated amendments to the IHR could likely impose unacceptable, intrusive, universal surveillance, violating the rights and freedoms guaranteed in the Canadian Bill of Rights and the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And these sweeping impacts on public and private life serve the interests of the United Nations and the WHO and unelected private entities, such as the World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, International Planned Parenthood Federation, while diminishing the health rights and freedoms of Canadians. We, the undersigned, which would be anybody listening who lives in Canada and signs the petition digitally, um, citizens and residents of Canada call upon the House of Commons and Parliament assembled to urgently implement Canada's expeditious withdrawal from the United Nations and all of its subsidiary organizations, including the WHO. If you disagree with that, then, you know, just ignore it. If yeah. you agree with it, tell everybody to go to um, canadianpetition.com yeah. and put your name to it. Um, spread the word. And and obviously, I mean, there's so much to unpack on what we're just talking about. We got ten hours, right? You told me this is a ten hours. Ten hours. Of course uh, we do. Of course we do. Um, so close for signatures February seventh, but you also mentioned December first. What happens December first? Okay. Um, so let's wrap up the Canadian petition in a sure. nice, neat little okay. bow. We could talk okay. about all of that. Um, it's really simple. Just go to canadianpetition.com. I just read it. You know, by all means, read it. Think about it. If yeah. you agree to it, sign it, pass it on, okay? The December 1st deadline is rewinding to the beginning of what I said I was doing at the beginning of 2022. I found this document that were amendments that the Biden administration had proposed to existing international health regulations. One of the things that he wanted to do in his original proposal Proposed thing that was what I found was the way it works. I've already explained is backwards. They get together, they meet, they agree to some amendments, and then there's a period of time where the head of state can send a letter to the WHO and reject the amendments. Nobody asks the people, nobody asks parliament. That's all settled in the wrong way in 1969, which I think is completely invalid. I blame Richard Nixon. He was president at the time. Mm. And so it's currently an 18 month period of time that every nation could consider whatever these changes might be and just write a letter of rejection. You know, mm. dear WHO, no thanks. You know, we don't like it. We'll keep things the way they are. Biden wanted to shorten that to six months. And ostensibly the reason, if you understand American political calendars, 
if the next meeting of the World Health Assembly is at the end of May 2024, yeah. six months from there gets you into about December, the yeah. Biden administration would still be in office. Hopefully there'll be a lame duck president at that point in time, yeah. but they would still be in office. So they were trying to com condense the time frame so that they would have complete control. Well, that didn't work out. Um, a lot of people spread the word and there's a backstory as to really why this happened. But what happened was a number of nations stood up and said, no, we're not going for this. And his proposal got completely kicked to the curb. Mm -hmm. But to save face in the middle of the assembly, um, and Canada was a party to this, if memory serves me correctly, Canada and the UK and the European Union in the middle of the assembly, which I think breaks one of their fundamental rules, submitted a different batch of amendments. And there's a rule that says you have to submit any amendments um, four months in advance. Okay. And they dropped this in the middle of the assembly and they had a bunch of secret negotiations. It's all uh, not the secret part, but when they came out of the back room and they decided what to do, it's actually, it was so bizarre. I thought it was living in some surreal world because I was actually watching it real time. The way they reach consensus and agree to something is they talked about it in the back room. They come out into the public hall and the person who was the president running the committee meeting said, okay, well, we're going to be adopting these amendments. Uh, I don't see any objections. Okay, boom, we're good. Wow. Yeah. And everybody in the room was stunned. He actually had to say it again. And then they're like, oh, okay, yeah, great. Um, then, you know, most people want to believe, okay, well, the Senate would have to say something, Parliament would have to say something, there'd mm -hmm. be some, no, that, that's just not how it works. The way it really works is they put the kibosh on it for 18 months, nobody knows anything, you keep it quiet, you, you run out the clock. I mean, basically, they're running out the clock right now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's a week and a half or whatever, right? Um, I've been doing as much as I can for 18 months to get people to go, hey, you know, say no, right? Yeah. Um, and, and we get to watch a slow motion train wreck, okay? It's, it's not the end of the world. There's a lot of people talking about all kinds of things that are in these other documents, happy to talk about them. What this is, is proof positive, a real life scenario with an actual set of amendments that are going through this 18 month process. Mm -hmm. I've been watching it the whole time and it's an abomination. It's just avoiding any form of representative democratic, you know, voice of the people. Back in April, a different person in Canada, um, Sonia Anderson, I believe is her name. I, I may be wrong on that. I apologize. <clears throat> Put a, a petition together um, to oppose this and, and say, look, you know, we need to have a discussion about this in Parliament. And bless her, uh, Leslie Lewis also sponsored that petition. Yeah. And it was submitted to Parliament. And it was, it only needed 500 signatures. And it got 18,973. And Parliament pretty much ignored it because they're impotent. Hmm. And, and the whole point of this, and, and this also happened in um, the UK, 
I don't know if you know who Tess Laurie is. She um, created World Council for Health. She put in a UK petition uh, from April to October, got 116,000 signatures, and um, their system is a little bit different. They got a uh, public response from mm -hmm. the UK government, but they have absolutely um, ignored yeah. their petition. There was no public discussion or public comment. And, and the UK parliament, I mentioned earlier, is supposed to vote on whether or not to reject what their executive branch of the government did. Not happening, right? And in um, Australia, similar thing. Uh, in May and June, they had 55,693, I think it was, signatures. And again, the point of doing all of this was to drive home into the public's awareness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not just that they're doing this, that when they structured this in 1969 and when they structured the Canadian and Australian and New Zealand government, um, your executive branch of government can get involved in any international agreement that they want. And the way your government is structured, parliament is impotent. They can't, th the reason why they're not doing anything is there's nothing they can do. And so thus, you know, what are we doing in these organizations? Let's get out of here. Yeah. Okay? So in the United States, um, if you go to exitthewho.com, uh, we're a little bit luckier maybe. Um, had a representative who, uh, Andy Biggs from Arizona, put forth a legislation, yeah, exitthewho.com, mm -hmm. um, that it's a page and a half. And if you're digging for it, we'll, I'll, I'll explain it and we'll pull it up on the screen. Um, mm -hmm. There you go. Um, scroll down a little bit until you see HR uh, 79. And so um, we've been getting signatures right there. Yeah. Um, if you see the box that is HR 79 and you scroll down just a little tiny bit, that's the whole bill. If you hit the bottom of that box, um, that's it. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So one, two, and three, um, the president will tell uh, a little bit down further where it says oh, sure. number two, but it's actually number one, two, and three. Um, the bill would have the president tell the WHO we're leaving. It would stop giving them money and it would repeal the legislation from 1948 that got mm -hmm. us involved in the first place. I think that took me 10 seconds because you had it right in front of me. Yeah. That's it. We're out of here. Okay. Now we have a long way to go. Right. And, you know, be great. You know, we're trying to get people's attention all around the world. Um, dear uh, member of parliament, Leslie Lewis, could you copy this? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Copy it and stick it in parliament. You'll get everybody mad at you. But, you know, you'll get the people a little bit happier. Uh, that's what we're looking at. And so um, if you uh, go to exitthewho.org, um, I've been working with people all around the world who uh, have a similar feeling. Uh, it's, it's a worldwide uh, effort to just say, what do we, you know, you, you can go up to anybody in Canada and ask them, um, what has the WHO done for you lately? Mm -hmm. Or ever, if you just give a real quick scroll, um, you'll see that we're all over the place. Yeah. Okay. Um, a lot of stuff going on in Canada, um, but just you know, nation after nation, just individual people and groups. Uh, wow. Yeah. You know, I've been a busy boy. Um, 
reaching out to people all over the world. Uh, what is the WHO and why do they exist and why are we playing in their sandbox? And what are they doing with all the billions of dollars that we give them? And uh, there you go. That's a, a, a friend of mine's group down in uh, Costa Rica. Um, yeah, the who. There you go. Um, and so, so, so our viewers, there's your homework. For the next, <laughs> obviously, the next week to go through and and look at all this stuff because, as you can see, there there's there is definitely. A if, lot if you want to know, if you want to know what's really going on this week, yeah. okay, go to rejecttheamendments.com. Um, pretty easy. Um, it's at this point, um, get informed and get yourself some popcorn and just sit back and, and watch, you know, there's a couple of letters. This is American centric. Okay. And, uh, essentially it's a letter with all of the information that we've sent to our members of Congress. It's got all the links, all the details, all that sort of stuff. There's a letter to President Biden. Well, he's not going to reject it because he's the one who submitted it. Hmm. Okay. Um, and there's a letter that you can send to Tedros if you wish, saying, you know, I reject it. Um, yeah. But basically, you know, just the, all of the links and all of the information about what I just said um, is backed up with evidence. I don't deal with anything that's speculation. I just yeah. have been reading their documents <laughs> and talking about what they're doing. And uh, this is the thing that um, I've been talking about for 18 months, almost. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what, so we need, I, what we I, need to realize is that is just the living example of what they're trying to do in a much bigger way. Yeah. And a lot of people are getting it all confused. This is not the treaty or the agreement or the accord. And this is not the big pile of amendments that God knows what's in them now. They've been negotiating them in secret for a year. But it's the process that we, the people, you know, did any any of the listeners, I know I can't see your hands, but raise your hand. I can anybody, see that. Anybody in your government um, asked you for your opinion about any of this, right? Representative yeah. democracy, what happened to it? Well, back in 1969, um, it's all your fault. You were six months old. You didn't say anything. You were busy, you know, sitting on your parents' lap or whatever, watching the moon landing. That's okay? true. Yeah. Um, and and Christopher was a protein somewhere. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're, you're off the hook. Um, I was nine years old. You know, who who is aware that this stuff is going on? Well, and that was one of the things I, mean, I was going to bring up right, right from the get-go was that all this stuff took place when – you know, now we've got the internet, but back then we were spoon fed everything, TV, newspapers, radio, and we'd only get like the newspaper once a day. So we wouldn't get the updates. And that's, that's one of these, uh, these, these, uh, these things that I've become more aware of is that every day something happens and has it always been that way, or it certainly feels like it, but it's only because we're inundated with all this information that changes every day. If you're on Twitter or whatever, everything seems updated versus if you just had a newspaper given to you once a day, or maybe even once a week, that's as quick as you're going to get your news. So back in 1969, that's where we were. And again, we were spoon fed what to, what to read. Obviously no one was really talking about this publicly. So stuff just goes through. So the nice thing, if you want to call it the nice thing about what happened with COVID is it really woke people up and said, 
something isn't right. Let's investigate what's going on. And this is, these are the conversations that as difficult as it may be to have with your friends and family, you have to bring it up and don't nope. just, you know, people will say, well, you're, you're a conspiracy theorist and uh, whatever. Well, no, we're just a theorist because this information is out there. You just have to know where to look. And especially if you can get people like uh, uh, James on and able to talk to him because he's done that research for us. Um, you mentioned a trigger word. Um, yes. I'll, I'll let Christopher get a word in edgewise. I thought he was going to say something. Yeah. Carrie never lets me talk. <laughs> so for those that don't understand, why do we need to pull out of the UN and the WHO? What's the problem? I mean, the United Nations is just this group that's trying to prevent wars and the WHO wants to make sure we're all healthy. Are they not? No. Um, if you actually read the UN charter, um, you know, it's more about war um, and, and, you know, intervention than it is really anything about peace. Um, you know, do, do any of our governments have a Department of Peace? Okay. Uh, you know, our Department of Defense used to be called the War Department. And I forget which, um, I forget if it was Nikki Haley. I think it was Nikki Haley. She wants a Department of Offense. Yeah. It's like, holy crap. In Canada, yeah. we're, we're, we're told we're peacekeepers. Yeah. We're the Department that of Defense. Anything. Yeah, right. in the from the right. Department of Defense. Yeah, um, with the WHO, um, the uh, I can I can certainly talk about the international health regulations. It's much more obvious there. Mm -hmm. They're not about health. You know, like the United Nations is not a peacekeeping force. You know, they seem to be aggravating many problems. But in the international health regulations, if you just read through the uh, titles, you know, subtitles of various articles, you would think it's the international surveillance, monitoring, reporting, emergency declaring, fear-mongering control regulations, mm -hmm. because it's, it's not about health. Now, interestingly enough, and I, um, I don't like to point out my um, failures, but I'm going to openly point out something that I've absolutely failed over the last year and a half to even get a single solitary individual human being to pay attention to what I'm about to share with you. In the WHO's constitution on Article 21, which they claim is the justification for the international health regulations, if, if you accept the validity of the WHO constitution, which I personally do not, but for sake of argument, if you accept that they have a constitution and we're supposed to do what you know that says, Article 21 would give them the authority to write regulations and standards for various things. Mm -hmm. And they've had 76 meetings of the World Health Assembly. And some of the things that they could be negotiating right now, uh, I'll go through a handful of them, are authorities that are given to them by their constitution in Article 21. They could be negotiating standards and regulations for advertising and labeling. Well, it'd be really nice if they didn't have blank inserts in all the jabs. That's considered <laughs> That's labeling. True. That's right. Yeah. It'd be really nice if they didn't let the federal governments around the world continue to say that these abominable biological weapons are safe and effective. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, there's no legal definition of the term safe and effective. I could talk to you for days about how 
at the very least, the word effective can be negative. So when an injection causes you to be two, three, four, five, ten times as likely to get the ailment that it's purported to you know protect you from, oh, it's awfully effective. Yeah. Okay. And and safe. Um, have you ever heard of Russian roulette? You put one bullet in a six, you know, yeah. chamber revolver, you spin it and, and it's 84% safe. safe. Pardon? It's 84% safe. Yeah. Right? Five out of six times, you're fine. Yeah, that's true. Right? If you're the one person who gets that lead injection in your head, oh, that's really effective. It's kind of negative. Right? So you can see how they mess with the language. They're also empowered to write standards for purity of pharmaceutical and biological products. Boy, it'd be nice if there were some standards to keep the DNA out of the mRNA jabs. Oh, they're, yeah. also, they're, they're also um, supposedly authorized to um, write standards for diagnostic um, testing. If you know anything about the RT-PCR, you just go, well, that's a complete and total fraud from the get-go. Yeah. Where are the standards that the World Health Assembly could have adopted that would have prevented that? Mm -hmm. They can write standards for how to determine cause of death. You think that was manipulated much in the last four years? Okay. They also have the right to define terminology. Well, what is the definition of a pandemic? They ain't got one. That's right. What is yes. the definition of a vaccine? They ain't yeah. got one. What is a case? What is a you know safe and effective? And so I, I've tried to talk to doctors and lawyers and people and everything. The WHO has failed, for, I, I take back my words, the World Health Assembly mm. has failed for 76 years to write a single freaking regulation on any of that. And they're not doing it now. Mm -hmm. And had they done so, had there been regulations and standards for terminology and, and death certificates and testing diagnostics and purity of products and labeling and advertising, maybe the people who got away literally with murder over the last four years would have had a little bit tougher time. Mm -hmm. they, they failed miserably for 76 years to do job one, which is to set standards for how to deal with these things. And they're negotiating stuff. We can talk about if you have time, but the things that they're negotiating have nothing to do with health at all. It's all about money. And if you understand what they're negotiating, it's a trade dispute. And they're arguing over how to divvy up the spoils um, because there's an argument about who made money over the last four years. And they're just trying to spread it around because everybody wants a piece of the pie. They're not asking doctors about how to make you healthier. They're not setting standards for all the things I just mentioned. They're, they're arguing over intellectual property and all of the profit tiering that they want to do in the future with a new agreement and you know amendments to the international health regulations. I, I would love to um, invite you to pull up one of my latest articles. If you go to my Substack um, and it's Stop This Conspiracy. I, I mentioned earlier that you triggered my uh, triggered me with that word. Um, call me a conspiracy theorist if you want, but I've got conspiracy evidence. And so with the amendments that they're currently negotiating back on April 2nd, they had what was supposed to be their next to the last meeting. 
And they're negotiating this enormous pile. Yeah, there you go. Expose this conspiracy. Um, what they did on October 2nd was they had another one of their meetings for the whole week. And they, um, that, that's pretty much it. People now know that it exists. Okay. They, they can yeah, look at it if they want. I'll, I'll tell you what's in there. Um, the co-chair of the meeting said, well, you know, um, we, we know that we have a deadline. We mm -hmm. know that the deadline to submit any amendments is four months in advance of the next assembly, which is May 27th. Mm -hmm. So four months in advance of that is January 27th. And he said, you know, everybody here in the room, we pretty much realize we're not, we're not reaching agreement. We're not going to make the deadline. And they wheeled out their legal counsel, Stephen Solomon. He spent a good solid five minutes explaining Article 55 of the International Health Regulations, which it takes you about 10 seconds to read. It says um, the nations shall submit any proposed amendments four months in advance of the assembly. There's no wiggle room. There's no, you know, unless this happens or unless that happens. Everybody knows that they are supposed to submit everything four months in advance so that all of the nations get a chance to look it over. And before they get to the May meeting, they've had a chance to discuss whether they want to support it or not. Then they spend an hour talking about how they're going to just disobey that rule. Then they went away for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, came back on Friday afternoon, and they had laid out the planned schedule that they were going to have meetings continuing on past the deadline, working right up to the assembly to try to reach an agreement in clear violation of the rules. And then they deleted all of those things and they put a couple of sentences in that says, oh, we're just going to keep working on it. And if you just read the final report, you would have no idea what they just had done that week. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're conspiring yeah. to break the rule that gives everybody four months to look at what they've decided to submit. And the rule is right there. They exhibited the reality that they understand, you know, they know the rule, but they're going to break it. And, yeah. and so, um, you know, it's conspiracy fact. The amazing thing is they could have done all of that in a, a confidential session, mm -hmm. but they did it in public because they know nobody's watching. Yeah. They didn't, you know, they didn't live stream that on CNN. I was watching it and I'm like, oh, this is a great soap opera. Look at what these guys are doing. Yeah. They're, they're conspiring in public in everybody's face to break the rules so you don't get to see what they're planning to do. And so let's, that's, let's, that's let's just, I want to, I want to put the fear into people so that they understand exactly what is possibly going to, I say possibly is going let, to happen. Let, let me so push back on, on, on that before you do it. I, oh, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be involved in fear mongering. Mm. Okay? I, I morally opposed to it. Yeah activating people to pay attention and take action and stop this crazy that's probably a better yeah that's let's talk about that let's talk okay about let's that. talk about that so again timeline wise what happens in uh in may of next year yeah mm -hmm. i know you've mentioned already but then what happens in roughly november and december and what would be the repercussions of not doing anything for it let's just let's just kind of go there Okay. Um, I don't know how much time we have. Um, I don't want to. As much time as you want. Oh, beautiful. 
oh, it's like a dream job. Um, <laughs> you got to realize that we're talking about three very separate documents. Okay. okay. Most of what we've been talking about before was this little tiny pile of amendments that they shoved in, you know, against the rules. And it shortens the time period for the next batch of amendments. Mm -hmm. So what, what those changes did was take 18 months to reject the next batch down to 10 months. Or 10, okay. And it took the 24-month period that you get to where you have to pass all the laws and spend all the money and implement and be in compliance at 24 months. So you had 18 months to consider, but a total of 24 months to implement. Okay. They want to bring yeah. that down to 10 months to consider and 12 months to implement. Okay, fine. That's not the end of the world that's going to happen on December 1st. You get to watch this slow motion abuse of your lack of representative democracy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nobody's talking about it. It's just going through and there's nothing you can do to stop that train wreck because the whole thing is broken. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> when they put that through back in May of 2022, the nations were quite upset with the United States. And they also put through a plan to create a working group for additional amendments. And September 20th of not this year, but last year, 2022, was the deadline. And they had 94 nations submitted 197 pages with over 300 amendments wow. by September 30th. Got a stack of paper, you know, 200, yeah, it's it's worked as a wonderful sedative for me for many days, but you know I've plowed through it. Um, they kept that secret until December of 2022. They finally did publish it in the middle of December. Um, I reviewed it. I did a freaking movie on it back in January. You can go to stopthewho.com and yeah. and read the hundred reasons why you should oppose this. Okay, it got translated into like 18 different languages. Stopthewho.com there's a, a video that you can just sit and listen. You know, it's just me reading the article, basically. Um, and, and so there's a multitude of things going on here. But in that period of time, October, November, December, and then into January, Tedros Ghebreyesus, who's the director general, uh, as is his right under the international health regulations, put together a panel of about 20 experts to review all of these amendments. The, you know, strangely enough, it's called the International Health Regulations Review Committee. And they put out a report in January. And I was actually astonished. Um, I agreed with a lot of the things that they said. I had mm -hmm. done a, I had done my whole thing, like when I got a hold of it, and I go, this is what I think is going on here. Yeah. And I had the top 10 reasons why it should be opposed. Now, some of the things that are that were in the original originally submitted proposed amendments, I think they're gone. Now, I don't know because they're doing it in secret. Mm -hmm. But what the review committee said, India had proposed, and this is the most egregious one, and I can still remember when I read it, my jaw mm -hmm. opened up, and I tried to push my jaw closed, and it fell back down again. And <laughs> India proposed crossing out language that's in the current international health regulations. And what they wanted to cross out 
was that they needed to be implemented with the full respect for the dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. And when I read that they would cross that out, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. And then and then my brain, you know, kicked back into gear. I'm like, oh, this is a blessing. That's crazy. These people are absolutely crazy, and that's evidence that they're crazy. Hmm. But the review committee report said, you guys are crazy. That's not going to fly. What are you thinking? And shortly thereafter, in the what most people call the treaty, it's been in the treaty for the longest time. It says the treaty, they call it an agreement now, um, shall be implemented with the full respect for dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of people. So for me, that was a little bit of a clue that that wasn't going to fly. That was just crazy. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. They were trying to replace it with equity and inclusivity and all these other things. Yeah, yeah, we've seen that a lot. The other thing that I think everybody has unfortunately misinterpreted, misunderstood, misrepresented, and quite frankly, just missing the boat. You got to go back to December of 2021. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> After a year of COVID, whatever the hell that was, and the jabs rolled out. Um, I think Trudeau bought like 10 jabs for every Canadian, something like that. Yeah, like, 400, like, that. Yeah, like 400 million. Yeah. 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 Um, US, you know, bought up everything they could. Europe, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. The relatively poor nations of the world who believed the story, oh, these jabs are going to save us, right? They're like, hey, you guys are hogging up all the jabs. So they called for a special session of the World yeah. Health Assembly. They normally only meet once a year, but they met right about this time two years ago. And they said, mm -hmm. hey, you guys are hogging up all the good stuff. You know, I think it's all poison, but that's not what they believed. And, mm -hmm. and so they reached an agreement on December 1st, 2021, that said, we need to have a worldwide agreement, treaty, whatever you want to call it, um, to ensure equitable access to pandemic response or pandemic related products. Well, you know, that's the jabs, but it's also remdesivir and midazolam yes, and Paxlovid yeah. and molnupiravir and everything else under the sun. Yeah. And so that is why these negotiations are happening. There is, has been, and there will not be an investigation about, well, wait a minute, those things really aren't something you should want. You should be counting your blessings that you didn't get what you thought you wanted. Yeah, I've actually gone to the WHO's website and it's still up, you can still see it. They have a COVID data page and yeah. I, I've published it many times. Um, don't try to find it on the WHO website, you'll never find it. Um, <laughs> the, um, the data on their website most people don't really think about this, but there are a lot of human beings on the African continent. There's actually more people in Africa than North and South America combined. That's right. That's right. 16 times as many people in North and South America, their deaths were due to COVID as compared to Africa. And Europe, Europe is even a higher number, right? And, and so you look at it and you go, wait a minute, what in the heck is going on here? You're arguing for the system that killed 16 times more people with their therapies 
you want more of that? <clears throat> okay, the insanity level of these negotiations is crazy. But here's what is was put in the proposed amendments to the international health regulations that unfortunately not too many people are really talking about. I think it's gone, but you got to understand what they were negotiating for. Mm -hmm. um, Bangladesh submitted proposed amendments to Article 13A, brand new article. And so did all of the African nations, very similar proposals. It's like, why didn't you guys get together and just sign on to the same thing? Because it's interesting that they're slightly different, but they're basically identical. And Bangladesh is the nation that proposed changing the meaning of a recommendation that would ultimately make recommendations be obligations, binding, uh -huh. okay? okay? So they proposed those change in the wording, but they also proposed, along with Africa, Article 13A. Well, here's what they want, or what they wanted. We'll see if it's still hanging around in there. They know that Tedros, the Director General, can just declare a public health emergency of international concern, P-H-E-I-C, or yeah. fake. Okay, you can't make this stuff up. He can just declare a fake, right? Wow. They wanted to add the possibility for the regional directors in the six regions, you know, America, Africa, Europe, Asia, so forth, to declare a FERC, public health emergency of regional concern. Once that's done, they would have the director general decide immediately on an allocation mechanism. He would decide which products were needed. He would then be empowered to tell nation A that their manufacturers had to make what he said they had to make and give it to nation B. Now, I'm not an expert on Marxist, communist, totalitarian, dictatorial, command and control, the means of production, um, logistics, but that's what that sure sounds like to me. It sounds exactly like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, those groups needed to take out the language so that that would not be a recommendation, that would be an order. You will tell your manufacturers to make what I tell you to make and deliver it where it's needed. That's what these nations were asking for. That's why these negotiations are happening. Yeah. Now, that, that track <clears throat> of 300 plus amendments has been so secretive you got to worry about what the heck they're really talking about there because they have let out nothing no revised version 2.0 you know <laughs> second draft anything they were supposed to have their next to the last meeting this is what we were talking about they're not going to reach an agreement they want to keep negotiating they were supposed to submit it on december 15th to the review committee for a final review. But ultimately what's going on right now is they're scheduled to meet December 7th and 8th, and they may or they may not let us see what the latest version is. They've been they've instructed the bureaucracy of the WHO to write up a new version that mm -hmm. is not a year old, okay? So at this point, I have no idea what is in that document. I know what, what, what was in the original. I know mm -hmm. what the review committee said. I, I know that, you know, 
I can't even begin to imagine that such a clearly Marxist command and control system would be put into place. And the reason why I think that's gone is what popped up in the negotiations for the agreement, which most people call a treaty, is totally different. And I think it's even worse. What, what came out of maybe what's going on secretly there, but came out into the public domain is something that they call the pathogen access benefit sharing system, P-A-B-S. I call it the pathogen access bullshit, P-A-B-S. Yeah, yeah. And the, the uh, poor nations are not happy about it because they wanted what they wanted. Um, this would set up a network of WHO um, authorized laboratories to do genomic sequencing. They have a concept called the One Health Approach, which they believe that the next pathogen is going to come from an animal. There's going to be zoonotic transfer. You know, some farmer or somebody is yeah. hanging out with their sheep or their chickens <laughs> or their pigs or something. You know, their armadillos yeah. or their kangaroos or, you know, their moose or something, whatever. And there'd be zoonotic transfer of some pathogen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what pushed them to have the wet market, you know, bat soup concept. They need to have people believe you got to be afraid of animals. Stop eating meat, kill all the cows. You know, some new ailment is going to come from a bat cave or something. Yeah. Yeah. So they want all of the nations around the world who are relatively poor, who quite frankly live a little closer to nature. You know, they have farms and animals and pigs and chickens and everything. And, and so they want them to build out this enormous laboratory network to be sampling everything. Stick a swab up every person's nose mm -hmm. or somewhere else or yeah. at your veterinarian's office when you bring your pet in for treatment or your chicken coop bedding or your pigsty or your septic system. I mean, in New York and around the country, they're, they're monitoring wastewater. Yes, so they are. They find, if they find some new polio, you know, in your wastewater, oh, lock it all down, right? They know what goes upstream from uh, your septic system. So, yeah. oh, this sewer system where we found it treats that area. So lock it down, jab them up, right? Well, the benefit sharing part of that is they send all of their pathogens and genomic sequencing to the central hub and then the pharmaceutical companies that make these wonderfully beneficial products would give 10% of whatever they manufacture based on that um, uh, information and, and samples and such, give 10% to the WHO and give 10% at an affordable price to be distributed as the WHO sees fit. Now, that's not an attack on sovereignty. That's just abject corruption. That's just biological warfare being mm -hmm. financed to the tune of tens of billions of dollars to get poor people to seek pathogens with pandemic potential, which is actually a term that they're defining, a pathogen with pandemic potential. Go out, find pathogens, bring them into a lab, mess with them, yeah. turn them into biological weapons that you inject into people. And now what they're arguing about is the intellectual property and the know-how to manufacture them so that they can make their own 
so they can poison their own people. Now, this is absolutely insane, but that's what these negotiations are. N nobody is saying, well, wait a minute, um, that stuff didn't work unless you're trying to kill people. Um, but they're, they're arguing over the intellectual property rights to pathogens that haven't even been found. And they want to build out the network with tens of billions of dollars. You know, I, I call it, you know, they have the fake, the uh, public health emergency of international concern. I, I've been co-opting it for the last year. The real fake is the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex. They're just trying to get public investment to the tune of tens of billions of dollars to build out what they used to abuse our rights over the last four years. So wait a minute, is this still for our health? <laughs> um, I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> um, there's nothing that they're talking about here that is even remotely anything that you would think of as being for your health. This is all about money and intellectual property and the redistribution of wealth. And the argument is, do you do um, Marxist philosophy to redistribute and control the means of production, or do you build out the biological warfare machine? Mm -hmm. Th those, those are the two choices that they're arguing over. So this is interesting that you brought this up because we had another guest on our show a while back. Um, you may know him, Mr. Sean Buckley, and he was filling us in as to how in Canada, our federal health Canada has absolutely zero to do with health and everything to do with protecting the intellectual property of the patent holders and making sure the market supports uh, the patent, the patent holders and the developers. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what this is. And they put a beautiful facade on it. They have wonderful propaganda. And yeah. so my concern is that um, these documents are brutal. You know, I mean, literally, they're wonderful sedatives. You try to read them and they do put you to sleep. Uh, there is supposed to be a new version of this big pile of amendments coming out maybe soon. We shall see. But the I'm, I'm glad I thought to say this. Um, with all that I've said, it actually gets worse. Okay. In Chapter 3 of the agreement that most people call a treaty, mm -hmm. The structure of the agreement is a framework convention. Now, what that means is when people call it a treaty, I, I think that does a disservice to the understanding because people think of a treaty, you put words on paper, you agree to it, you sign off on it, you're done. Okay. Yeah. With the framework convention, what they want to do is set up a totally new bureaucracy that would meet on a yearly basis determine protocols moving forward. So what they are really trying to do is get the poor nations to agree to something. They just mm -hmm. want to agree to something. Yeah. Let's just get an agreement. Everybody pat themselves on the back and go, oh, we're saving the world. We have a pandemic agreement so that they can meet every year. I don't know if you've ever watched um, Pinky and the Brain. Okay. Oh, yeah. What are we going to do today, Brain? Oh, same thing we always do. Try to take over same the world. Thing. <laughs> okay. And so what they want to set up is this conference of the parties that would be delegates that you don't know who they are. You don't elect them. They're not accountable to you. Yeah. They go to Geneva once a year in May. 
before or after the assembly, and they plot what they're doing with this biological warfare mechanism. And you know, tens of billions of dollars. Oh, we'll we'll tell you about how we're going to dish out that money in our second convention. We'll figure out the money two years down the road. Just sign the document. You know, if if you were signing a contract with somebody. And at the last minute, the other party came in with a ream of blank paper and mm -hmm. stuck it in the middle of the contract and said, don't worry about that. We'll take care of that later. Just sign here. That's what they're trying to do. Wow. I mean, I'm really not kidding. They're trying to get everyone to sign on to a framework convention for, you know, to um, prevent, prepare for and respond to the yeah. next pandemic well they yeah. need the next pandemic because that's what they're profiteering off of and as long as you enable them to profit from the next pandemic you're going to get fake after fake after fake after fake and and so coming up very soon last day of november through the 12th of december is the 28th conference of the parties of the 1992 framework convention for climate change so if you want to kind of vision the future, how's the, how's the um, framework convention for pandemic prevention going to work out? How's that mm -hmm. framework convention for climate change working out for you? These guys meet every year and they, they adopt whatever they adopt and our nations agree to it in 1992. Yeah. And so the word comes down through the back channels. Oh, well, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that. And you can't do the other thing. The, the dumbest thing in the world that I can imagine nations allowing to happen is any form of a framework convention because you're basically writing a blank check, a blank contract, mm -hmm. and you're going, yeah, we'll let some other people work out the details later because we're lazy, we're tired, we don't want to think about it. You guys will, you, you'll treat us fairly, right? You'll do good things in the future. That's what they're trying to do with this pandemic agreement. They're yeah. just the latest version went from 43 down to 30 pages because they're trying to get it simple to just agree to it. But the rumor out there is that the poor nations are really not happy because all of the language that they would be obligated to build all these laboratories and give over the pathogens and, mm -hmm. and the genomic sequences, they're like 10%. You're going to give us 10% of what you make out of that? That's not enough. And and so, you know, luckily, they're having difficulty agreeing. So I'm optimistic. But this whole thing is just absolute insanity. It really is. That's why, that's why I'm so glad that we live in a democracy here in this country. And Western Canada can just all get together and, and just all our MPs can say no. And then it'll change, right? <laughs> oh, well, we... We briefly just talked about I, that. I, I didn't realize I was signing up for a comedy show today, but I, I get it. Yeah. So this this All sarcasm, this, satire. You, you mentioned, you know, this, this stuff is being done without our consent, without our without us being represented on it. Without and our awareness. With, yeah, without yeah, our awareness. It's being done by people who are not accountable to us. We don't elect and we have no way of changing anything with our voices. That's not democracy. And that's exactly why the Alberta Prosperity Project exists, because as Carrie mentioned, we're one of the few jurisdictions in the world that can stand on our own against these things and 
And I really believe now more than ever, we, we have a duty to stand against this. I agree. Absolutely. And you, you know, the, the whole propaganda thing is, is what they're, what they're basically doing is they're, they're getting the media and they're even getting our, our politicians that we've elected to say, you know, the, the number one thing that's going on is climate change and we should all be concerned about that. And you get drilled into that by, you know, your normal, normal media, your TV, uh, your, your newspaper, your radio. And it's no wonder. Yeah. It's no wonder that I'm going to say the elderly only because they seem to be the ones that are more in tune with watching global TV up here is, is one of the, uh, the stations that just broadcast this over and over again. But they're the ones that are saying, well, you know what? They're telling me to mask up and, and the sun is going to burn us up and uh, CO2 is, uh, is a pollutant and, and they're just going to go with that. But on the other side, we've also got the younger generation, which is, you know, everyone says you got to go to university, you got to go to college, you got to get educated, blah, blah, blah. So they go there and then they're inundated with all this propaganda, even from their professors. They're all saying, you know what, we should we should be worried about climate change. What can we do to do that? Uh, how can we save the world? And the reason is, is because there is a problem that we can actually make money off of. How are we going to do this? We're well, you know what, we'll bury all the CO2 in the world so that it, you know, it, it all goes away. And in the meantime, we're we're going to run out of CO2. I mean, there. I'm every time we have these conversations with with. with guests that are as amazing as you are thank you james for for doing all the research that you do yes thank you it, it is it is just another thing that goes wow something else to be concerned about i i can hear um in my mind anyways you know yeah. people in the audience listening you know well what do we do right yes what do um, we do you know shoot your television first yeah okay yeah. that's the first thing i i had an experience half my lifetime ago um Give you the short version of a long story. I was advocating um, with the local television station that rather than tell us what happened at the latest city council meeting or school board meeting, could you have a calendar and tell us when the next one's going to be, so that we could, you know, maybe have something to say about it? Yeah. And I, I was getting pushback. I was getting an argument. I, was, I thought, well, you know, a community calendar that'd be a great thing for a local TV station to have, right? Duh. Makes and sense. I was getting all kind of got into it, got into an argument. And so the station manager was about 15 years older than me at the time and pulls me aside, stops the meeting. Hey, you know, let's calm it all down. Very condescendingly, he comes over, puts his arm around me and he goes, let me help you out, kiddo. We don't give an F about our viewers. Our advertisers pay the bills around here. Wow. Do you get it? <clears throat> that was not necessarily my first red pill. But that was a big honking red pill. And it went down easy. It was like, oh, duh, right? Of course. So for half my life, I've realized that the purpose of the media is to distract you. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember a year and a half or so ago, Will Smith gets up at the Academy Awards and apparently smacks Chris Rock. I don't have a TV. I haven't had a TV. I've never personally owned a television. Mm. Proud of that. Don't have cable, don't watch TV. I get my news however I want to get my news. A friend of us, friend of ours called us up and says, you know, everybody, alternative media, mainstream media, everything, that's all they're talking about. And she said, what do you think it is that's going on that we're not supposed to be paying attention to? Mm -hmm. 
Bingo. Because whenever you see the distraction, you go, yeah, okay, there's a distraction. Where should I be looking yeah. to see what the heck is going on that they don't want to talk? If it's on the news, it's a distraction. Even if it's real, even if it's real, what is it that they're not put? Well, they're not putting this conversation on the news and they never will. And how many other conversations, okay? So if you want to do something, I'm speaking to the folks in your audience, take the link to this video and make this video go viral to the best of your abilities. Now that doesn't mean you take the link and you post it on Facebook and you let their algorithm do it for you, okay? You know, that's not how that works. What I'm talking about is on a personal human to human basis, right? Get out your phone, right? Most people have one of these, right? Um, go down in your contact list and start with A, you know, Anne and Anthony and Angela and Bob and, you know, Billy, right? Take the link and text it to them. Go down the whole darn, it might take you a couple of days. I don't know how many people you got in your phone. Send it to them and say, hey, I watched this. What do you think about it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, you know, if they're in Canada, sign the damn petition, canadianpetition.com. Absolutely. Send it to them and say, look, don't give them any commentary. Just go, hey, I watched this. Can you watch it when you get a chance and tell me what you think? Mm -hmm. I run I run on the, the theory, and it seems to be backed up all the time. You'll be lucky if you get one out of 200 people yeah. who go, what the hell? I had no idea. This is, what are we going to do? Right. You'll probably get 45% who are like, yeah, whatever. You know, that's crazy talk. You'll get 45% who they, they might sign the Canadian petition, but they're not really going to do anything, but that's okay. We'll take the signature and run with it. All right. Um, you'll get maybe 10%, maybe 20 people out of 200 who are like, oh, this, you know, Thanks for telling me that was, I had no idea that was going on. I didn't understand the way international agreements don't necessarily take us into account. Yeah. You're, you're, I, I, I refuse to call them leadership. You know, the people who are holding office in your executive branch of government are, are free to do whatever the heck they want to do. And, you know, how do you rein that in? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, step number one, is the petition says to parliament, we want out of this organization, get us yeah. out of here. Now, is that gonna happen? Hell no, all right? I mean, you gotta change government, you gotta get new people in. But if you know 50,000 people have already signed, if it's 100,000, if it's more, right? Now you know that you're not alone. And what if- That's right, exactly. Right? Um, yeah. you know, I, I hate to bore people with mathematics, okay? Mm -hmm. But- Math's um, awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm told by you that you have more than a hundred viewers. Yes. Okay? Yeah. So say a hundred viewers tell a hundred people and they do it again. Yeah. Do the math. That's a million people. Yeah. Right. Do you have a hundred people in your phone? Could you tell them? Could you, could you say to them, take this video and share it with a hundred people and another mm -hmm. time and another, you do it a couple more levels. It's 10 billion. Right. So this could, I don't know what your biggest video ever is. Right. Truck. Why, why wouldn't <laughs> it's it be definitely convoy? Yeah, over yeah, sure. a million. Yeah, okay. for sure. Um, hey, people, um, how hard is it to copy a link 
get some popcorn, watch, you know, a movie or something and sit there and just go copy down the list, text, send, copy, paste, send, copy, paste, send. I do that often. I'll go to sleep at night, turn off my phone. I wake up in the morning, turn the phone on. Ding, 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 ding. You know, and most people are, are like, I had no idea whatever it was I sent them. Right. Thank you so much. I didn't know. Right. If they think it's wonderful that the WHO is, you know, building out the biological warfare mechanisms around the world and they're all for it because they're in that industry and they're going to profit from it. Hey, get yourself some new friends. Right. But then go to your email address and send an email to everybody and then go to your social media and DM everybody. And yeah. post it on wherever you want. You know, the algorithms don't work with you, but, you know, mm-hmm. post it anyways. Yeah. Um, and here's where it gets crazy. Um, you guys probably found me this way. I give my phone number every time I do an interview. I'm in California. My phone number is 310-619-3055. You can put it in the scroll if you want, if you can. Do exactly that. James, jamesrogusky.substack.com, 310-619-3055. I know this is like way too much information. I get it, right? And so if you if you care and you want to get it all straight and you got a question, by all means give me a call. You know, happy to help out. I've met awesome people all around the, you know, world, many people in Canada. That's amazing. To open yourself up that way. That is yeah. No, there's a lot of beautiful people in the world and uh, you know what it really comes down to is if you look back over the past four years, what did they really accomplish? They shattered relationships. Yes. And I'm busy building relationships. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, if, if this, if you're already here at this point, what is it, we're an hour and a half into this, t- yeah. 20 minutes, um, you're my kind of people. Mm-hmm. Give me a call. I'd love to meet you. Right. Then you have a new relation. The problem is so many people are like, oh, you know, my family, I can't convince. Love your family. Let them be who they are. Yeah. Go make go make new friends, build new relationships, yeah. Yeah. build a better world with people who yeah. want a better world. Yeah. And at some point, your family will go, mm, he was right. I don't want to tell him he was right, but he was right. And just keep being right. Just keep speaking yeah. the truth. Stand, stand in your truth. And if people don't want to take the red pill, if you ever watch the movie The Matrix, Mm-hmm. you can't make them take the red pill. They have to be curious enough. And so one of the things I've learned is I'm, I'm going to guess, I don't know if you guys have seen the matrix, the movie. Have you seen it. that Chris? No, <laughs> no. Okay. Um, I'm going to spoil it for you. There's we're talking about that earlier. in 1984 and uh, yeah. There's, network. A, there's, a, there's a scene in the movie, right. That I think is one of the, one of the important scenes where Neo comes to meet, Morpheus and they're talking and he's like, why are you here? He's like, oh, you know, there's something that's nagging you. There's a splinter in your mind, right? Yeah, yeah. What I encourage people to do with their blue-pilled family and friends is ask them questions. Like, um, have you read the International Health Regulations Amendments that the World Health um, Assembly adopted in May of 2022? And could have been rejected by December 1st, but looks like nobody's doing anything they're going to go through. Did you read them? We already know the answer. Oh, you know what? I'm late for an appointment. I got to go. See you later. Bye. Yeah. Okay. Um, You see somebody wearing a mask. 
I, I assume you run into people from time to time. Yeah. Um, hey, I got a question for you. You know, I used to work in construction. I did some really dirty jobs. What did you read a study or something? Why are you wearing that mask? Is that the best mask? You know what? Um, I, I'm sorry. I got to go. Yeah. Don't yeah. argue about it. You know, hey, did you get the Pfizer or the Moderna jab? How many did you get? Well, if you got the Pfizer, you know, that's only got 30 micrograms of the mRNA in there, but the Moderna's got 100. Did, did you get the one with the less or the more? And, and you know, wh why'd you make that decision? Oh, never mind. I got to go. Okay. Mm -hmm. my, 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 my girlfriend's calling. I got to run. Whatever it might be, put that splinter in and walk away. Mm -hmm. when the you problem is most people aren't as concerned about reality as much as they are their own realities. And so if you're trying to push your red pill down their throat, mm -hmm. okay, if you watch the matrix again, a couple of times, it's like, they got to want it. They got to want to know. And if, if they're still wanting to be in the matrix, if you watch the movie, they're like, they are your enemies. They may be family, they may be friends, but they will fight you. You have to put a splinter in there, get them thinking, and let it fester. And it takes patience because, you know, after four years, if they've continually been drinking Kool-Aid yeah. and swallowing blue pills, watching the media, doing what the government tells them, just going along to get along, trying to shove it down their throat is just not how it's done. I don't know what it's like down there, but right now in Alberta, that's uh, statistics show us that's only about 14% of Alberta. So that's a good yeah. sign. Yeah. yeah. I like the splinter analogy. And actually, we just finished doing uh, a, a tour around Alberta. It was called the Ambassador for Sovereignty Tour. And Chris was actually speaking about how to, well, Chris and Corey Morgan, who is a, a, a columnist for the Western Standard, uh, which is a online newspaper actually yeah an online newspaper here in uh, in alberta and we were going around talking to people about how to have these difficult conversations and maybe you know you tell five friends and you they tell five friends and they tell five friends and basically you know you fill up a million and a half people within like six weeks the 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 idea behind having these these conversations and getting the uh, uh, the word out, I guess, does seem very difficult to do. But I it almost I almost think it it has to be part of everyone's man, uh, mantra right now. Like yep. we everybody needs to do it. We all have a responsibility of doing this. If you're if your eyes are oh. open, oh you you have the responsibility of of doing this. If for anyone watching this, yeah. okay, um, it's easy to take the link to this video yeah. and share it with absolutely everybody. If you don't, you're as bad a censor as Facebook mm -hmm. or Twitter or anybody else. Yeah. If you go through your list on your phone and you go, oh, I'm not going to send it to that person because they're not going to want to hear it please realize that you're censoring information. That's very true. If you send it and they choose, uh, I, I pronounce one of the English words, well, I, I pronounce a word in the English language differently. If there's something that you know about and you don't tell me, 
and I'm not aware. Mm-hmm. Bad on you, right? If you tell me, and now I am aware, mm-hmm. and I choose to be ignorant of it, doesn't mean I'm stupid. I might understand it. But if I choose to ignore it, I am ignorant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, that's right. your yeah. responsibility as a member of society, if you come across something that you think someone else should maybe be aware of, it's your obligation to share with them. It's not your responsibility to convince them that it's important. If they want to be ignorant of it, mm-hmm. maybe they have their reasons. Maybe they're busy. They're trying to put food on the table. They just don't have time. They can't take it anymore. But you got to do your job, right? Yes, I know it's useless in many ways to reach out to your member of parliament, okay? But it's your obligation to let them know how you want them to represent you. If they fail to do so, bad on them. If you fail to tell them, bad on you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, take the link to this video, share it far and wide. Go to CanadianPetition.com, sign the petition, and share CanadianPetition.com far and wide. And if people choose to sign it and spread the word, it'll grow. If they look at it and they go, no, I'm all for all of the things that are listed there that the UN and the WHO are doing to our kids and our health and everything else. Hey, it's their right to be as, you know, believe whatever they want to believe. But if you don't, I mean, my, my hope is that by February 7th, imagine what it would be like if all 40 million Canadians or so yep. are aware that CanadianPetition.com exists. Now, maybe, maybe there's 30 million of age, you know, 18 or whatever that the limit is. Yep. Um, what if all 30 million had the opportunity to become made aware that they could sign that petition. I wonder what the percentage would be. Well, if you don't tell your neighbor, they don't have the opportunity. And so you're actually part of the problem. Okay. Um, I I actually have a friend, you know, I I know we're yammering on for a long time. Maybe this is a good way to leave it. Um, I I worked on a project with a gentleman that I met. he was 85 years old at the time, and he had been researching this topic for decades. I found him, and I got all his work together. I wrote a book about it and put it all out online. Went to meet him out in Arizona. We went to a um, diner and had breakfast. And you got to realize he's 85 years old. He's moving kind of slow. But he had spent 30 years of his life working on this, this topic. And we're just about done eating. And he reaches over to get the waitress's attention. He goes, excuse me, miss. And she's got plates for the next table in her hand. And he goes, I've got something in my wallet that I'd love to give you. And everybody at the table is like, what's going on here? So she goes to deliver the food to the table. And he's moving like molasses. He reaches into his back pocket. He pulls out this monstrous old man wallet with all kinds of stuff in it. And she's, she came back and she's standing there watching and he pulls out this piece of paper. You ever seen a, a piece of paper um, that you have on a telephone pole and you can tear off the phone number or something? Okay. 
So he takes out this piece of paper like that. He tears off one of the little strips of paper, takes his dear old time, folds the paper back up, sticks it in his wallet. You know, he was slow, but he was moving specifically extra slow. So she's over here salivating, going, you know, what? And we're all going, what is he doing? So this piece of paper looked like it came out of a fortune cookie, right? That tiny little strip of paper. He goes, here, I would like to give you a fortune of information. Now, you got to realize this was like 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. People didn't have smartphones. So she looks at it. She goes, oh, it's a, it's a website. It was the website that I had put together for his information. Okay, yeah. And, and, and she goes, oh, okay, um, thanks. Um, I'll have to look at that when I get home. So she went behind the counter, she got her purse and her wallet and she stuck it by a credit card, right? For that short period of time, and then until she was able to get home to see what this was, she's got a splinter in her head going, what the hell just happened to me, yeah, yeah. okay? You could print out, and I have, you know, I, let me dig it up and I'll put it in the chat, or, or maybe if you go down on my, um, if you would be so kind as to go on my Substack and scroll down until you see something about getting the globalists out of Canada. Um, all you really need to do is print out canadianpetition.com on a piece of paper the size of a fortune cookie and hand it to somebody and say, have you signed the petition yet? What are you waiting for? Okay. Um, yeah, it's about a month ago. Um, so fairly soon. Yeah, keep keep going down. I appreciate this. We'll have some fun here. Um, it's a little ways away. Um, it says get the globalists out of Canada. There you go. There, uh, 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 a little more up. There you go. Oh, um, the future does not belong. Not belong to globalists. Okay. Okay. Um, Excellent. So this is when we announced the Canadian petition. I don't know a month and a half or so ago. Um, yeah. Scroll down a little ways a, a bit of a ways down the page keep going until you see some graphics okay um so if you go here uh there you go the future does not belong to the globalists yeah. right you can take that image um yeah it'd be great if you put this link in your chat somewhere and let people know about it yeah um it's easy to remember canadian petition yes dot com right mm -hmm. scroll down a little bit more uh there's a document that has four of those so you can up oh, too far oh too far. Now okay. go up Right there, you can download that, and it has four of those that you can print out, cut them up, okay. and pass them out. Oh, yes. But all, yeah. all you really need is to take one yeah. and stick that up all over Canada. Yeah. I like this one. Yeah. There you go. That's all or you, you can need. Just you can put, put, them up, put them in your wallet. Telephone and... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much that's pretty much what he had. But yeah. It was yeah. you know his website. Um, yeah. You don't need to spend a crap load of money. You yeah. don't need any high-tech anything. Um, yeah. Just go, hey, um, you haven't signed the petition. You haven't signed the Canadian petition yet. What are you waiting for? Yeah. What is it? It's a petition. Yeah. What's it for? Go read it. Yeah. You don't need to memorize it. Just tell people go to CanadianPetition.com. Yeah. If they disagree, that's okay. Tell them. But they have a splinter. Yeah. Yes, they do have a splinter. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking okay. of splinters and CO two. <laughs> um, because those always sign. go together. Absolutely. To, yeah, they do. I'm going to have to sign off pretty quick here because uh, yeah. I get up at about 4 a.m. so I can go and make some cinnamon buns that rise because of CO2. 
Awesome. Absolutely. Like a very early morning. <laughs> I do want to. I do want to show a couple of questions that that maybe James can answer because I don't know them. And they were asked right away. And I, I do, you know, Wonderful. obviously no, I love questions. Love a questions. lot of these questions initially were about the petition. And of course, we've already talked a little bit about that. So I think we can get rid of those ones. But okay, so, I'll, 13 minutes, Carrie, and then I'll, I'll sign off and you can. Okay, that, yeah, we, if, we can definitely if, um, do that. If we don't get to your questions, I gave you my phone number 310-619-3055. Um, that's it. Just give me a call. I think I locked up. I hope you guys are all good. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it, it's all good. So here was a question. I have no idea even what this is about. Please discuss the bill that just got approved by the Supreme Court in New York State, Bill 2.13, isolation and quarantine procedures. They can pick up anybody for any reason and put them in a camp. Um, Do you know I'm anything gonna, about that? I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. Um, okay. what, I, what I think I understand about what's going on with the deal in New York um, is there still one more level of appeal? Um, okay. We may be talking about different things. Um, there's a lot of fear mongering about all of this, um, but uh, it's been going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Um, um, Bobby Ann Cox, if, if what we're talking about is the uh, lawsuit that Bobby Ann Cox brought, she won, it was appealed. They threw it out for some stupid reason. And hopefully she's going to get enough support to take it to the next level. So, mm -hmm. but this is the point. It's, it's not the WHO. It's your local governments that are just absolutely insane and are more mm -hmm. than happy to, you know, step all over your rights. What we need to do is get better connected to our friends, you know, in our own communities so that we have allies. And, you know, there are many areas around the world where, um, the police have, you know, refused to enforce such ridiculous um, type things. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a challenge. Um, be thankful that you don't live in New York. Or maybe you do, I, but um, yeah. you know, yeah. keep pushing You're back right. on it. There will be people that are watching this from New York because mm -hmm. I do look at the stats, and it is uh, it is amazing how how far our our reach is. Mm -hmm. So Don asked, does this online petition, of course, the Leslin Lewis petition, require more signatures than paper petitions? I heard that 20 digital signatures were the equivalent of one on paper. That's a good discussion there's, to have. There's, Go ahead. There's, there's no paper involved. It's yeah. an electronic um, petition. The, the purpose of this petition is to help you identify who your allies are in this world. Please don't think that a petition is going to change the world. If you understand what a petition is, it's your statement that you want. Well, oh, did he freeze? Oh. Did the always oh, got blocked? Oh, there you are. All right. Yeah, it uh, it was it was acted up and it blanked out. Did it come back? <laughs> yeah, you're back. Okay. Yeah. Um, must have been saying something. The universe uh, had something. <laughs> I was to say thinking about. that too. The, the the whole point of any petition, really, yeah, is to give people an opportunity to tell their government what they want. It's your freaking obligation, yes, to tell your representatives what you want. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then you hold them to account if they ignore you. Yeah. Right. You only, this is where it's going to blow your mind. You only need 500 signatures to get Leslin Lewis 
the opportunity to present this in Congress. Mm -hmm. We've already gotten a thousand percent more than needed. Let that sink in. Okay. But what if you had 20 million? That's still not that's still not that's still not the point. Yes. The point is if you get out your phone and you text canadianpetition.com to everybody you know, and you say, please do me the favor of reading this and let me know if you signed it. Then you know who your allies are. Somebody comes back and says, ah, I'm not going to do that. Now you've learned a little something about someone that you know. Mm -hmm. If they come back and they go, oh, I told all my friends, right? You might send the other link um, that we were looking at with the thing that you post up on a, a billboard yes, yeah. or, or a bulletin yeah. board or a telephone pole yeah. or something. Yeah. And, and maybe you walk out into the street um, next week and you see one of those posted up on a, on a, a telephone pole somewhere, or on a bulletin board somewhere. You go, hey, there's somebody around here who knows what I know, right? What if you That's post, true. what if you're posting that up and somebody comes up to you and goes, yeah, I want to get the globalists out of Canada. Hey buddy, nice to meet you. How you doing? Mm-hmm. You're making friends. You're building a new yeah. community. Okay. Conversation. So, yeah. From what you're telling me, you got an 85% chance of that happening in Alberta. Yeah. Right. Hey, I got a whole stack of these. You want to help me post them up around town? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's yeah. about making a connection about sharing an idea, do you agree or disagree? You can disagree, that's okay, right? But now I know that you disagree. Do you wanna waste your time getting into an argument about it? Or do you wanna go, okay, put them on the, be like Santa Claus at Christmas time, right? Put them on the naughty list Mm -hmm. and go ask somebody else, you know, do you get to be on the nice list and build those relationships, put your effort into that. Don't spend your time arguing with people who just keep taking blue pills and Kool-Aid. You're wasting your time. Find your allies, work together, and you know, then you can go from there and decide where you want to take that. Do you want to get a hundred people to call one member of parliament on one given day and go, hey, we want out of the WHO? Hey, that's a great we want out of the WHO. Hey, yeah. we want out of the WHO and the UN. And then okay, tomorrow we're gonna to do the next one. Tomorrow we're gonna to do the next one. Yeah. Organize, take action work with your friends and allies. That's what this is all about. Yeah. We have uh, M Heath that says, this all seems overwhelming. I agree. And Leaf says, thanks for bringing James on, been following him for well over a year. So that's awesome. And uh, Lynette also says, so comfortable to know there are people like you three who understand what's happening. Let us know you present the truth in a way that we can understand. Thank you. So, we get a lot of those comments uh, and, and compliments, but thank you, thank you for our viewers for oh, watching this. Because- let me give you let me give you one aspect of my secret. Okay, sure. Um, I managed a mom and pop urban nutrition store for about fifteen years, mm. and if anyone has ever, so I, I am I am beyond anti-vax. I am anti all things pharma. There's okay. a couple of things that pharma makes, some bioidentical hormones and insulin and things like that, that you know save lives. I, I get it, there's a few exceptions, but it's a poison selling industry designed to make you sick 
under the guise of thinking that you're healthy. Okay. Now, I don't know if anybody here or anybody listening has ever heard of Bach flowers. Edward Bach was a homeopath and a well-renowned physician in um, England almost 100 years ago. And he got to a point where he was sensitive and he could recognize what various plants triggered emotionally in him. Mm -hmm. And one of the um, flowers that he turned into um, a flower essence, they're not aromatherapy, they are an emotionally balancing therapy that your doctor will never tell you about. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully you guys can see this. Um, it's a little bottle of elm. Elm, okay. Okay. It's one of the easiest ones to remember. All you do is take a little drop of it. He discovered that when he was in an elm grove, that any sense of being overwhelmed went away. Wow. So for the person who said this is all overwhelming, trust that your doctor is never going to tell you about Bach flower essence elm to help you deal with all of this crazy shit that's going on. Okay. So um, don't be overwhelmed. Bite off what you can chew. Take a little tiny piece of it and go, what can I do that will help the world? Yeah. And then do it. And if, if that is, you know what? I, I Erase everything here and just go, hey, this all sounds good to me. What can I do? You can share this video with somebody. You mm -hmm. can print out that little take one, tear off yeah. flyer. You can yeah. take the digital version of the graphic there. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Canada's trying to ban naturopathic remedies. They are. Yes, um, they are. Sign that petition too. Exactly. Yeah. And spread the word and, and yeah. find. But more importantly, share that petition with somebody and communicate with them and ask them, did you sign it? And mm -hmm. if they say no, put them on your naughty list and move on. They give them a blue pill and some Kool-Aid. Say, have yeah. a nice life. Enjoy your time with your doctor. Um, God bless you. I, I'll pray for you. I can't help you. You don't want my. You don't want to be helped yeah. in that manner. Okay. I want to do one more question and then uh, some final thoughts from Chris. I'm sure. So this one, Lee asks, can a country withdraw from the WHO? Should a change of government come about after this vote? If so, what will what if any will have any effect on it? Um, can you leave that question up? Because there's a lot of parts yes. to it. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. Can a question withdraw? Can a country withdraw from the WHO? Yes. Just stop the question right there. Yes. Okay. Whenever the core under agreement of how you got into a treaty has been violated, anybody can leave. You take any contract, one party violates it, you're out the door. Um, okay. Should a change of government come about? Um, doesn't really matter but you're probably going to need a change of government because mm -hmm. the current one isn't going to go there. Yeah. Um, after this vote, there is no vote on December 1st. The adoption happened 18 months ago. What's going on on December 1st is your wonderful prime minister could write a letter to the WHO and reject the amendments, but their government supported the submission of these That's amendments. Right. So that's probably not going to happen. Okay? Yeah. You get to voice your um, feeling about it. And if they ignore you, that's just another nail in their coffin. Um, 
If so, will that have any effect? There's a lot of questions in there. Um, everything you do in life has an impact on the universe. And so do whatever makes sense to you. Take whatever action you feel comfortable taking. But, you know, out of the who and into on with the new, you know, what is it you want the world to be? Just start working towards what it is you want, like you guys are doing, you know, with the project that you've got coming with the referendum and sovereignty. Um, take an action step, call up, you know, the gentleman here and, and say, look, you know, how can I help? What can I do? Make it easy, make it simple. But it's the same idea. Find out who your allies are and bring them all together. Mm -hmm. There you go. Chris, any uh, words before you leave us? <laughs> well, I mean, this should be just firmly entrenching the idea that Alberta must stand up for our own sovereignty. If our federal government is taking us down these paths, and this is not the only one that interferes with our sovereignty and interferes with our rights and our freedoms and actually right into our, you know, our health, like actual health. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what are, what are we waiting for? Do we just want to wait until these things have gone so far that we can't come back? Or do we want to stand up now and be the beacon of hope for the rest of the world and show them that, no, you don't have to do this. Yeah. If there's anything I've learned over the last four years is that when something is wrong, like really fundamentally wrong, you stand up and you say, no, enough is enough. I'm not going there. And it is critically important for Albertans to do that. So if you are on board with this and you are our allies in this crusade and this journey for sovereignty so we can protect ourselves from these things, become a member of the Alberta Prosperity Project. I say this all the time. It's not that we want your $20. We need it so we can keep doing things like this and get these messages out and get in front of people. Um, also, get over to bit dot ly slash ab votes yes there is yeah AB votes yes and add your name to the list of albertans who intend to vote yes um on a referendum for independence or trigger trigger a referendum for independence i should say yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's necessary these these steps you know it seems like a big task uh but this is a this is a math problem it's about exponential <laughs> growth and James said it as well, you know, one person tells another person or they tell five people, they tell five people. And before you know it, you've reached 10 million people. So that's how we win this. And don't forget to share this stuff because lots of people don't even know we have these problems. I mean, and, and you know, a lot, I was, there we go. Yeah. I was going to say a lot of people don't want, have Facebook. A lot of people don't have real access to the internet and stuff. And, and just going out on these, uh, uh, ambassador tour weekends and having these discussions with people, you know, I say these get reposted on Brumble and BitChute and uh, Vimo and, and all these other video platforms as well. But likewise, they're, you know, other than seeing our beautiful faces, all you can still go on Spotify, you can still go on Apple Podcasts and just listen to it. And it's amazing the information that you can get. And uh, here's a little, little trick that I usually do. If I listen to an audio podcast, I don't listen to it at one time speed, meaning I don't listen to it at the way we're talking right now. I usually listen to it. It's about a 1.67. And, it, and, and it's amazing how after maybe 15, 20 seconds of listening to the words being spoken faster, 
your brain catches up and it actually is really good at processing that. So if you think two hours is too long for a podcast, listen to it at one and, you know, one and a half times speed or maybe a little faster, maybe get through it in an hour and a half or maybe an hour and 20. Little things that, uh, you know, knowledge, the more you know, right? <laughs> so, you know. yeah. So with that, thank you so much, James. For oh, thanks for having podcast. me. It's been a pleasure. It's, it's and, been, and, um, uh, anything I can do. Anything I can do to help you spread the word, um, you know, by all means, get this link to me as soon as it's up and running. And uh, I will. Off we go. Absolutely. Thank you so much, James. Um, Of course, we do this every Wednesday, Wednesday webinars, uh, and and we have new speakers, new information. Next week's webinar, which is the 29th of November, is with David Laskowski, and we're actually talking climate change and the politics behind it. So yet another topic right on uh, the tip of everyone's tongue. So. And with that, I'm going to say goodnight so Chris can go make his cinnamon buns. <laughs> I have to make some Z's first. Oh, you, oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's right, too. You got to do that. So, all right. Thank well, thank you, so thank you again. And uh, yeah, thanks you guys again. Take care. All right. Night, everybody. Good take night. care. Anyway.